0: Nice to see you all this morning. I realize that there's people listening and watching who don't know who I am, and I forget to introduce myself. I know all of you know who I am, um, but I'm Scott Spencer. I'm the assistant pastor here. I'm filling in for Mike. He's gone for a couple of weeks, and so that's, uh, that's, why, that's why you're looking at somebody with absolutely no hair, and I won't say any more than that. So, I'm going to continue with 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, first of all, about gifts. Uh, Every believer is gifted with gifts from God to enable us to serve Him, to enable us to help each other, to enable us to um, be united with each other um these these gifts that god gives us they are intended to be uniting to each other um in several places paul talks about uh athletics as an example of our walk with god and uh, so I'm going to use uh a uh, team team uh, in order to illustrate that event or that um that thing that um on a team Every player is not the best at playing every position. Every player has a position, they have something on the team that they are especially good at. It's like they are gifted to be able to do that. If you put a player in in a position that they are not good at playing, they'll probably be able to play it. They'll probably be able to get by, but they're not going to be great at it. And... uh God gifts us all with something in the body of Christ that we are especially good at, not because of skills that we have, not because of our innate ability. It's because it's a gift that God has given us. It's something that, um, something that is a, a supernatural ability to step into that position for. And a lot of times... A lot of times that gift puts us in a place that we would not choose on our own if we were choosing it. For instance, it may be that God has put it on your heart to work with children or maybe with youth in that ministry, and you're like, I am not comfortable with that. But God puts it on your heart, and then when you step into it, um, you find that you have a supernatural gift for that. It's almost more about being willing to step into whatever God has put in front of you, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in something, and then God empowers you to be able to step into that position and be especially effective at it. You know, sometimes churches, uh, they're, they're looking for um, conformity with their people. Um Instead of encouraging people to be unique, to be different, um, to be who they are, to be authentic, and then to exercise God's gifting, um, sometimes they, they discourage that. They want people to be all the same. They want, uh, they want people to think all the same. Um, I, I realize that probably in some respects it's uh, it's an efficiency issue. Sometimes it's it's easier that way, um, but but I don't believe that that really is um, I don't believe that really is fulfilling what God has has for His church. I, I believe that the differences that we have, and uh, and then stepping into the gifting that God gives us gives us strength, gives us the ability to work with and to, to meet challenges and issues, and to help people in, in their, whatever their need is. Um, it's, I just think that it's, uh, it's, probably, it's probably an exercise in futility to try to get everybody to be the same anyway, isn't it? So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, <clears throat> the first verse. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant... You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except uh, by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but there's the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. For one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy to another, discerning spirits, to another, gifts of different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Lord God Almighty, thank you for your word that lives true and faithful, that feeds us, that guides us, that teaches us. Father, we just pray that our hearts would be open to hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So in this 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how the Spirit operates in the life of individuals um, in such a way that they discover, they understand the abilities, they find that they have something that they were not previously aware of. Um, Paul calls them gifts of the Spirit. Paul doesn't talk about how it it happens. Paul doesn't talk about how we receive that here, but he just states the fact that they're here. You know, it may be that um, I've I've heard, I've heard it said that uh, perhaps when a person is born, they're given gifts that they're not able to exercise, that they're not aware of, until they become a Christian and then those gifts become available to that person um, there's an, a, a different view that says that uh, that the, we don't receive those gifts until we become a Christian and then God gives us the gifts at that time and and uh, we become aware of them and we, we learn to utilize them as we go through life and as this situation arises um, it could be that God gives people gifts that they need in the moment that when all of a sudden uh, some some certain gift is needed that um, that they 're there and that that individual then is able to to walk in those gifts but um, either way, the spirit comes and uh, and the process begins of our spiritual growth and a part of that is having the willingness to step into whatever God has put in, put in front of us um, i I kind of have the opinion that God probably doesn 't give us really big things to to do really big service to do, big uh, jobs to do until we 've done smaller ones and we 've shown that we can be trusted with those smaller ones and that we will we will step into that and, and we 'll take care of those smaller ones and then as we go through life then we get more and more uh, bigger and bigger ones so whatever the situation is um, it seems like whatever comes up within the church and by that I mean the body of Christ I don't mean this structure but the body of Christ whatever comes up there is somebody there who has a gift who is able to step into that and who is able to fulfill that, um, that need so Paul knew here what Paul is addressing is not necessarily the existence of gifts, even though we kind of look at it like that. Paul wasn't talking about the existence of those gifts. Um, he, he was addressing problems in the, church, in the church of Corinth that came from a misuse or a misunderstanding of those gifts. So Paul wasn't instructing them on the fact that, that those gifts exist he wasn 't instructing them on on uh, you know he wasn 't informing them about those gifts he was saying, "You have gifts, but they 're not being used properly. You have gifts and they 're being abused that 's what he was talking about so uh, there there were there were problems i 'm sure there were other problems that uh, paul doesn 't necessarily address there, but in verse four, we get a pretty good I- indication of what they are um, verse three. There's a mention about cursing Jesus, which is strange. Um, Paul's not talking here about persecution. So that reference to someone who cursed Jesus would not have been been a form of persecution. Paul was talking about gifts. Um, And he closes that section there where he's talking about that. Um, when he 's talking about ecstatic utterances or speaking in tongues, and so possibly, possibly, there was an example of a misuse of a gift, possibly that person who who was misusing that gift, um, maybe they came out of a pagan background. we know a lot of them did at that time, maybe they came out of uh, some other sect um, and then and, and perhaps maybe. We don't know for sure, but maybe they were still under the influence of that pagan spirit. We know that some of them had come out of pagan backgrounds and they brought with them, they brought with them traditions, they brought with them customs, they brought some of that pagan background with them into the Christian church. And Paul had been saying, that's a problem. That's a problem. You need to leave those things behind. You need to... To completely leave the old life behind and come in and and be renewed, that's what happens when we become a Christian, isn't it? We're renewed. We're not the same as we were before. We we look the same. Uh, some of our some of our tendencies and some of our thoughts are still the same because that process of sanctification takes time, and uh, really it takes our whole life. But. Um, but we have we 're renewed, we need to leave that old life behind that's that 's a part of what is to happen through the act of baptism is the old the old is buried, the old man is buried and done away with, and then when we come up out of the water, we're new we're a new person, and so it, it could be that that this gift was being misused because of of those reasons um, very likely there were people who were emotional and uh, they went into some sort of a trance seemed like that's uh, the history of it and they weren't really not aware of what they were saying um, so it, it, it probably was not a conscious thing when somebody said that they cursed Jesus um, but it was something that happened uh, because of their pagan background um, but, but Paul is saying that is an abuse of a gift of a gift Um, so um, we know that uh, that anything like that we know that a statement like that could not have come from God right that is not that's from a spirit but that's not from the Holy Spirit and so Paul was rebuking that person he's saying that is not a gift from God that is something else and that needs to be stopped so, we understand that God doesn't communicate through us with irrational statements. Irrational um, statements could be from a person who knows what's behind that statement. Um, could be that that person is completely out of touch with reality. Like this person that we were just talking about. Um, they, were, they were out of touch with God, for sure. Because God would never have induced somebody to say that Um, So we need to be careful that we know that God doesn't communicate through those things. It takes discernment when people, when sincere people come up and they have a bizarre idea. And, you know, you want to listen, you want to be respectful. Um, Somebody comes up and they have some strange idea and they lead out their their, um, idea by saying that the Lord led me or the Lord told me or the Lord gave me a word for you, or something like that. Um, And we need to have discernment when we're listening to those kinds of things. Because just like this other man here, there may be a spirit there, but it's not the Holy Spirit. We need to, as Christians, have discernment in listening to those things. We don't just assume that because someone comes up and says, the Lord sent me here with a word for you, We don't just assume that they actually do have a word from God. In my experience, um, if somebody has something from God for me, God's already told me that. And what we have here is more of a situation of confirmation than news. Because God does speak to us. We have scripture. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Does God really need to send somebody else to give us a word? The only reason for that would be is if we weren't listening, we weren't listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe there's gross sin in someone's life and, and they're ignoring what the Holy Spirit's saying and somebody, somebody approaches them and says, you know, you know, brother, you really need to stop that, whatever that is. That kind of makes sense. But God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit he speaks to us through His word, and God would never give anyone a gift or or a word in any way that contradicts scripture if if somebody approaches and they say "I have a, a word for you and uh, and it contradicts what scripture says, you know it 's not true it was a lady that I was talking to some time ago and um she says, well, God told me to leave my husband and marry this other guy. And I said, I don't think so. God's not going to tell you that. That's coming from some spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit because it contradicts God's Word. God's Word is, 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 is here for us to lean on. Um, scripture says that in, in the days of old, God spoke through His prophets. And, and today, we have Jesus Christ, and today we have Scripture. And so, if somebody comes into uh, the body and says, I have a prophetic word for you, I'm going to be a little on guard. I'm not going to just accept that, because I know that God speaks to us through His Scripture, He speaks to us through uh, Jesus Christ, and He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And honestly, that's enough. That's sufficient. If we lean on those things, we're going to be headed in the right direction. But, um, because sometimes people can have, uh, sometimes there could be somebody who comes into a body and they uh, they have ill intent. They don't have the best for you. They don't have the best for us. In mind, what they have is is ill intent. They uh, they they think they're going to come in and and take over, or they're going to come in and you know they may even be led by Satan. Maybe they're led not just by a, a, a an evil spirit, but maybe they're led by Satan himself. We need to have discernment um, when we when we uh, encounter that that kind of a person. You know, um, we want to be respectful. We want to. We want to hear what God's saying. We want to be open to God bringing words to us and encouragement. But we need to be careful. Uh, Scripture tells us, 1 John 4, 1, that we need to test the spirit as to whether they really are of God. There's a warning right there that sometimes the spirit comes with somebody that's not from God. And uh, Christians should not be gullible. You know, we need to be careful we need to test the spirits um, we need to be we need to be uh, steeped enough in god 's Word and His holy Spirit that when someone comes up and they 're bringing something else that 's not not um, correct that we can we can uh, recognize that that we can we can respond to that um, just to be aware that um, of what spirit is somebody coming, what spirit is that person. Approaching you, because sometimes someone gives you something and and you want to act on it because you believe that it's from God and it leads you astray. It leads you away from God's will. So just because somebody says they're from God, doesn't mean that they are. Uh, They might be deceived. They might have self-serving motivations. We need to be gentle as doves, wise as serpents. Test the spirit. We need to use discernment in what we're hearing Uh, there's a lot of media out there these days you know if you want to find a plethora of media just go on to YouTube there's all kinds of people who claim to be uh, messengers of God and uh, some of them are not some of them are are from the pit of hell itself and you need to have discernment if you're going to just listen to them if you're going to uh, don't just accept that they are uh, a servant of God you need to use discernment when you're hearing that um, I I would say that you know when somebody approaches us at CSN, they want to put their messages on air. The first thing we do is we spend a lot of time vetting them. We want to be careful that whatever we air is really a preacher of God, is really a messenger of God, and uh, we don't just we don't just put anybody on. Uh, there are a lot of people who approach us, and there's a lot of people who approach us with a lot of money, and they say, if you'll air my messages, I will give you a lot of money to do that. But no, that's not the criteria. The criteria is that we need to make sure that whatever they're saying aligns with Scripture and, uh, and reflects what the Holy Spirit has to say. So we need to be gentle as doves, Wise as serpents, we need to test the spirit, we need to use discernment. You know when the spirit is used to manipulate people or if the spirit is used to meet somebody's ego or to raise money for people um, we need to run up a red flag on that we don't just accept that that person is a minister don't just presume that because it looks like they 're practicing a gift of the holy spirit don 't just assume that what you 're seeing is uh, is a gift from God. Um, we all know it 's easy, and i won 't name names but uh, well known well known preachers over i don 't know the last fifty years who have claimed to have gifts of healing and uh, and, and, and prophetic gifts and such. And, you know, they practice that for decades and they raise um, an immense amount of money. And then it comes out that it's all faked. It comes out that it never was true. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll apologize for that. Sometimes they'll admit it and apologize for that. And then before you know it, they're right back doing it again. And people fall for it again. There's no discernment. There's no testing of the spirit. And we need to be very careful of who we're listening to and um, that that what they're preaching is actually the word of God. Um, And I would say that for us as Christians, you know, God does give us spiritual gifts. God does enable us to step into special needs. Um, Paul talks a little bit about that when he says that people want a different gift than what they have, um, we need to use the gift that God gives us, whatever that is. We don't say, oh, I don't want that gift. I want someone else's gift. You know, what's the deal about a gift? The thing about a gift is you don't get to choose, do you? It's not like, it's not like uh, you know, there's a table out there and, and go pick one, go pick what you like. A gift is something that someone else has picked out for you and given it to you. And your job is to accept the gift and say, thank you. That's your job. You don't say, oh, I don't like the color blue. Because somebody thinks that blue matches your eyes perfectly. When God gives us a gift, he's given us a specific gift. We're told that God, God knew us before we were even born. And I suspect that God had in mind gifts for us at that time. And, and I, I fully suspect that God had, had in mind that, um, you know, that this, that you, that you at some point in your life will have an opportunity where you need to step in and do something or be something to someone And God has enabled you to do that. So you don't get to choose what it is. You can't say, oh, I don't want the gift of service because, you know, the gift of speaking in tongues is way more spectacular. And I get way more attention by doing it. Honestly, folks, if you do something like that, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. The one couple that I can think of who lied to the Holy Spirit named Ananias and Sapphira. And if you don't know what happened to them, go back and look. Not a good idea to lie to the Holy Spirit. You might get away with it for people. You might get away with it for, uh, for a church or, or, or a TV show or something. You might get away with it for a long time. But God knows. God knows and there's a day of reckoning. Not a good idea to lie about something like that. We are who God made us to be, and we have a gift that God, that God intended for us from the very beginning that we use for Him. And we need to be satisfied with that. You know, God will bless that. If you step into whatever it is that God has given you to do, if you, you take the role that God has given you to use, He'll bless it. And you might think, you know what, I'm terrible at that. Honestly, that's how I feel about standing up here preaching to you. I feel like, wow, I I really stink. But God takes it and he uses it. And he uses it because I'm willing to do what's put in front of me. I'm not going to say, oh, I want a different role. I don't want to do that. And God blesses us, whatever it is, whatever it is that he, that he puts in front of us. Um, sometimes we feel like maybe something is beneath us, you know. Gift of service. If you have a gift of service, that's a, that's, a, that's a really important thing. We need people who can function in the gifts of service in so many different ways. And God blesses that. And you'll see spiritual growth. Don't ever look down on whatever it is that God has given you. You know, you might think, oh, I can't work with kids. Let me tell you, one of the most rewarding things you can do is work with kids. Because you get to see the results of the effort that you put in pretty quickly. So, some gifts, uh, some gifts people wanted and some didn't. Paul talks about that, that in verse 4. Um, you know some gifts made people puffed up and proud, and uh, that 's not good. The other problem is that um, well well paul always Paul always wanted to elevate the diversity that was in the body. He never wanted people to all look the same or be the same. Um, every gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, or it should be, and if it isn 't then Actually, if it isn't, you know, the body has a responsibility to stand up against that. That's what was going on in the Corinthian church. In several places, Paul admonishes them. He says, why are you letting this go on? Everybody knows it. Everybody, it's not hidden. And nobody does anything about it. It's just completely tolerated. And we should never tolerate that kind of a thing in the church. It's not easy it's, it is not easy to stand up to, uh, something like that that's going on. Um, I'm, I'm the worst. I usually, if I have to do something like that, I want some really big guy, you know, like Dustin to be behind me. Cause it's uncomfortable for me. But, um, we have, we have a responsibility to keep things moving forward in a right and a proper way so like I mentioned it could be that some of these gifts we, we never we never have uh, used a gift we've never even been aware that we had a gift in some area and all of a sudden there's a need that comes up and we find out that oh that's me I can step up into that position I can I can do that thing whatever it is um and, and we have a responsibility from God to do that. You can't just sit back and say, oh, I'm going to let someone else do that because I'm uncomfortable doing that. Um, God gives you the ability to step into that at the moment, and He expects us to uh, be faithful in doing that. So, um, uh, verse 9, Paul talks about faith, Gift of faith, and then the gift of healings. Um, by the gift of faith, it's that ability to believe in supernatural possibilities. Um, I heard about a guy who was, I believe, somewhere out in New Mexico. You know, not a whole lot out there. Um, there was a piece of land for sale, and uh, this guy is talking to his friend, and and the, they're both looking at this. Land and it's like, wow, it's not close to anything. And, uh, you know, the one guy looks at it, and he says, but just looks like all dried up, useless land to me. The other person sees, he, he, it's like he has a vision of a huge convention center where Christians come from all over the United States, maybe even the world, and meets there. And uh, some years later, sure enough, That's exactly what was there. It was a huge, massive, complex, uh, a Christian meeting place where uh, all kinds of things were held throughout the year. Um, It was called the Glorietta Convention Center or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But, um, you know, it's exciting to stand uh, beside somebody who has that kind of faith, who can see... Something where there is nothing. um, That's a gift. That's a gift that God has given somebody to have that kind of a vision. And then to move forward and make it happen. You know, that's a gift. Everything that's mentioned there um, in verse 10, uh, or throughout this passage, miracles, prophecy, discernment. uh, That's not a comprehensive list of all the gifts that God gives people. God gives people probably probably would be hundreds of different giftings. Do you have a gift uh, to be able to work with uh, handicapped kids or handicapped people? Let me tell you, that's a gift. That is a gift. I don't have that gift. But that's a gift. You, You think those people are not serving God by doing that? Not everybody can do that. There's, there's a variety of things that are gifts. You know, uh, somebody somebody has a gift um, of, of, of seeing and constructing a church. Uh, where do you think that wisdom comes from? Uh, wisdom is a gift from God. That wisdom is given to them by God. Not for their own glory, but for God's glory. Uh, prophecy, I'm going to say a moment, a word about prophecy... Really, you know, prophecy is speaking forth God's word. If you look at what the prophets did, um, they spoke whatever it was that God give, gave to them, they spoke it to the people. So it's not always about being prophetic in telling the future. Prophets don't always tell the future. That's what we think of when we think of prophecy. It's because we don't think of the word prophecy the way they did so prophecy is is probably more accurately forthtelling god's word to someone else not foretelling the future there were times when prophets foretold the future but it always was in the context of thus saith the lord this is what god says And typically, if you look at what the prophets did, they were sending, they were giving warnings to the people. They were saying, this is what's going to happen if you don't do this. Or if you do do this, this will happen. That sort of a thing. Um, God, God was sending messages through the prophets for his people. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, today, today we have Jesus Christ. Today we have his word. Um, everything that we need to know is contained either in Scripture or is fed to us through the Holy Spirit. And uh, prophets typically were speaking a message from God, a warning, or an admonition, or something like that. They weren't just out telling the future. You know, if someone comes and they, they says, I have the gift of prophecy and I can tell your future... I'd turn around and walk away. I wouldn't believe that for a minute. Now, if they came up and they had something from Scripture to say, and they said, I don't know, I just feel like I need to quote this Scripture for you, or, uh, you know, I just, I just need to give you a word of encouragement, uh, yeah, then I'll listen to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, there are people at the fair who will will tell your future. And I guarantee you, they don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit with them. That's where discernment comes in. That's where being cautious comes in. Gentle as doves, wise as serpents. So, that list of gifts that's mentioned there, that's not all the gifts. There are more gifts than that. Um, God meets the needs of his people in the moment God provides for them Um, there are people in this little group here this morning who have abilities that we need in this church and um, if there already isn't an opportunity for you to step up into that need, there will be and you may not actually be completely aware of your gift, um, but God will make it God will make it clear to you um, when you can use that. But all authentic gifts are from God. All gifts contribute to unity. Part of the problem in this Corinthian church was that there was disunity because of the gifts. The gifts weren't bringing unity, they were causing disunity because they were being misused. And abused. So um, I wanna I wanna circle back because this is Communion Sunday. We do have communion this morning. Um, last week I started talking about communion and I want to finish that. Um, communion goes back to the Last Supper. Jesus on that night that he was betrayed they had uh, they had a dinner they had a meal and there was nothing particularly special about that meal it was It was you know friends getting together and having a meal together. They were eating and uh, and, and and it was very casual. They were just eating normal everyday food and then at the end of that meal, Jesus took some bread that was left over on the table there. He took it and uh, and there was some wine that was left over from the meal. There was nothing special about the bread or the wine. He just took what was there and um, he instituted the uh, the remembrance that we do of Jesus that we call. Communion or, or the Lord's Supper, and um, this this uh, practice, this thing that we do, kind of reflects back to the Passover meal, uh, back um, when Israel was delivered out of bondage in Egypt. So communion from the very beginning looks forward. To the deliverance of all mankind through the death of Jesus Christ. It looks forward and then his subsequent resurrection. And his death and his resurrection was for the deliverance of all of mankind. Um, at the Feast of the Passover, there was a tradition where a child would ask his father, say, What's different about this night than other nights? And that would be a cue for the father to tell how God delivered Israel. So, Paul kind of is leaning on that tradition to remind the Corinthians about the roots of communion because they were abusing communion. They were not treating communion in the solemn manner that they should be. So, the Lord's Supper or communion is all about God's gift. Um, it's a focus, it's a focus on Jesus, on his death and resurrection. And uh, we need to realize that it's because of His death that we have life. We need to remember His life and His teaching. Um, His resurrection brings about hope, brings hope that we have when that time comes, brings hope that we have a resurrection with Him. So communion is a remembrance of the reason that Jesus came to earth to begin with and uh, that He was to provide salvation for everybody, everybody who accepts his lordship, everybody who accepts him um, as his as their savior. So we need to remember his love. We need to remember his forgiveness. We need to remember his purpose. We need to remember his hope, his presence, his power. And um, communion was the institution of a new covenant. It's a new covenant between us and God. So at this point, the old covenant is done away with, and there is something new. Um, This was initiated by God. It's a relationship in which uh, Jesus Christ acted on our behalf. And so when Jesus says this cup is a new covenant, in verse 25, he's announcing that this is the beginning, this is the mark of a new kind of a relationship. Jesus was going to give his life in exchange for people who accept his lordship in their life. Who are willing to give up something that they have and, and hand it to him. So, you know, a covenant is an agreement. Covenant is like a contract. In a contract, there's always two sides. I'll do this for you, and you do that for me. So a covenant is just like that. There are terms to a covenant, and Paul reminds us that uh, they, they entered into this covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and there were expectations. There are expectations that we will accept the lordship of Jesus in our life. That we will accept him to guide us and give us uh, and, and we will give him freedom in our life. And he will give us eternal life. He will give us uh, he will give us a new life he will give us uh, a, a resurrection of our own on that day and so um, it says there that, that when they took communion that they proclaimed the Lord's death until he came and they also proclaimed his resurrection we don't want to separate the two you know sometimes there's a tendency to focus completely on the death Of Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of the story. That's really kind of the beginning of the story. Because Jesus didn't stay in that grave. Jesus came out. And that's the beginning. And that that enables us to have a new life. That enables us to have a new relationship with him. Before that it was all about the law. Paul talks a lot about the law. And how we no longer live under the law how we have freedom. It's all because Jesus made a new covenant. There was a new start. There's a warning there that Paul gives because of the abuses that were done in the Corinthian church. He said not to drink the cup in an unworthy manner. So this was not, the intent here was not to introduce something new. He's continuing the discussion that he was talking about. Remember, the Corinthians were abusing all of these things in the church. They weren't, they weren't doing it rightly. They weren't doing it with uh, proper solemnness. And um, it was divisive, and there was drunkenness going on. Um, there were divisions that were going on that were inappropriate. And Paul was saying, look at how you are observing communion. Look at how you are observing the Lord's Supper. That's not worthy of this thing. So, Paul, when, when we read that, sometimes people will say, wow, I had a really bad week last week. Last week was not good. Um, I did this, I did that, I did the other thing. So maybe I'm not worthy of taking the Lord's Supper or taking communion. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about observing communion in, in, in an appropriate way. You know what? None of us are worthy. If it was about worthiness, we just would conclude the service and go home. Because nobody here would be able to meet that standard. The reason, the reason that we need Jesus in our life, the reason that we need His blood for us is because we're not worthy. The only way we can possibly be worthy is because of the blood of Jesus. So Paul was saying, let's observe communion right. Let's do it correctly. Um, I, I would like to ask you right now at this minute to, uh, because we are going to observe communion today To take a a moment and just do a little self-reflection. You know, how am I doing? God, how am I doing? Um, We need the Holy Spirit to give us direction. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Uh, We want to grow spiritually, don't we? And it's through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we do that. And just take a moment and, and ask God, is there anything in my life right now that I need to ask forgiveness for? Is there something in my life that God, you've been trying to get my attention for and and I need to make corrections on that? One way or the other, maybe you need to stop doing something or maybe you need to start doing something. Just ask God right now, show me that. Show me that, Lord. Just take a little moment and, and pray. You know, if you ask God forgiveness for something, He gives it to you right away. You don't have to go and and do some things. You don't have to uh, isolate yourself. Um, you just ask God. Heartfelt. I need forgiveness. God will give it to you. Needs to be authentic. Needs to be real. I'm really going to change. You know to repent means to turn and go in a different direction. Sometimes we just need to stop and say. Which way am I going? Am I going the right way? Is there something that I need to change? So if you've committed your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to share communion with us. Um, If you have never given your heart to the Lord, if you've never given Him Lordship of your life, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray, and I just would invite you to pray along with me. And you can make that declaration to God right now. Almighty God, I do believe in Jesus. I believe, Lord, that He is our redemption. We know that we're sinful people and we need a Savior. And God, I put my trust in Him. I give my life, my heart to You right now. I repent of my sinful ways. And God, I commit myself to serving you. I want to know you in a real and a personal way. I want to follow you, and I want to know God's presence in my own life. Lord, forgive me of my sin and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me know the joy of walking with you throughout my journey on earth and spending forever with you in heaven. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.